Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you Father and our God, the level of grace we ask for tonight, my Father, let it outrun and exceed anything that we have ever experienced. We pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit takes absolute control. We pray for the grace of revelation. And Father, we pray as we will study tonight that you grant the following. Grant us the spirit of wisdom revelation in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know. And Father Almighty God, we ask that the Holy Spirit takes absolute control. We yield ourselves to you. And Father, we come before you and we ask that you open the word of God to us. Change our lives for the better. Change our lives in this season change our lives that you may be glorified father almighty god we join our faith with anybody who's joining and they're believing you for a miracle father almighty god tonight we ask you wherever they are and whatever they are asking for grant it to them we pray that you comfort we pray that you strengthen and we pray that you encourage motivate to keep going your people Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for those who are joining and those who will listen on podcast and we celebrate them as well. In Jesus' most holy name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are, um, we're going to pick up, we're going to start a series tonight and we're going to do a book study. And when, when we get the opportunity to do a book study, what happens is, it allows us to go through what God says about the subject in relative detail. And so over the next five or six weeks, we're going to do a book study. We're going to stay on one book of the Bible. And I also feel it's very pertinent for us as, um, as a church and as a people to understand what God is saying. And we trust the guidance of the Holy Ghost as we do so. And so ladies and gentlemen, if you could kindly turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. And we're going to have a look at the book of Ephesians. We're going to look each week. We're going to look at a chapter. We'll read it together. We will go through the salient points. And what that will allow the Lord to do is paint a very clear picture of this is what I want to say. And it's one of the fun things about reading the Bible and hopefully there, there are various ways, and our aim, ladies and gentlemen, in many senses, is to encourage you to study the Bible yourself, encourage you to study the Word of God and spend time and actually enjoy it. And this is one of the ways that I do it. When you just pick up a book or just pick a section of the Bible and just read it, read it from basically beginning to end, and just allow the Holy Spirit to take your heart and your spirit wherever he wants to. And so I'm honestly praying as we do that together, as we do it as a family, um, I'm sure there'll be lots of questions and that will be fun. Um, 
as we do it as a family, I pray that this really blesses you. And so what I'm going to read, and our reading from today will be Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read from 1 to the end. The reason I'm going to read from 1 to the end, and then we will go back, and then we'll go through different sections as the Holy Ghost enlightens and lifts up different sections. And so I'm going to read Ephesians 1, and I'm going to start from verse 1, and I'm going to read it in the King James Version of the Bible, and then we'll go from there. There will be times where we'll go outside the King James Version of the Bible. That will be absolutely fine. And so Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Let me pause there for a moment. And ladies and gentlemen, Paul is writing to a church that he has planted and mentored. And you will realize that Ephesus was a church that was going through a whole lot. You'll find them referenced in Acts. You'll find them referenced in the book of Revelations. And so Ephesus was a really important church. And so he pours his heart out. He's currently writing from Rome. He is in prison, but he's writing to Timothy, who he's left at Ephesus, who is the effectively the bishop or overseer of the church at Ephesus. It's a pivotal church. And ladies and gentlemen, for everybody listening, we feel that this is a pivotal season for us as a people. And it's a pivotal season for us as a church. And so we humbly address this. And so I'll pick up the narrative from verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after... I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints. Cease not to give thanks for you, 
making mention of you in my prayers, that the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so, ladies and gentlemen, so that's the book of um, the book of Ephesians. And we've just read Ephesians 1. We've read it from 1 to the end. And that's going to be the focus of our study for today. And so let's go back to the beginning and let's have a look at what Paul said. And so the first thing that, that we see in verse one is that Paul introduces himself. And he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And that's a, a lovely acknowledgement. But we realize that it's Paul is speaking about who he is and what he is. Verse two. The Bible says, grace be to you and peace from God and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, pause for a moment. He starts his letter speaking to a church that is up against it. And he prays for two things. The first one is grace. That grace be to you and the question we must ask many times we 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 say that you know the grace of god is available many times we end our services by saying the grace may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god the um the fellowship of the holy spirit sweet fellowship of the holy spirit be with you now and forevermore and we say amen and there was a reason they said that at that particular point in time so let's, if we ask ourselves, then what is the grace? What, what, when Paul says, grace be to you, what is grace? Now, grace is one of those interesting words that when you, when you look at it, it says that the word translated in Greek, it says charis, and charis is graciousness as gratifying of manner or acts. And then the Bible goes on and it's, it's, it's that graciousness. It is kindness, um, a benefit, um, a gift, something you do not earn, something you do not work for. And Paul says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The interesting thing about the word grace is the root word, of the word grace 
is favor. And if we look for the first time the word grace shows up so that we understand what Paul is saying, he says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's look, ladies and gentlemen, at the first time the word is used. And we're going to do two things. The first, we're going to look at the first time the word is used in the Bible, looking at the King James Version of the Bible. And then we are going to look at the first time the word, the, the word favor is used in the Bible. Because the they are trans they are basically it's one word translated into English the same way, but it's the same word that we get charis, where we get favor, where we get grace, where we get kindness. And so let's look at that. And so if you could turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter six, verse eight, and Genesis chapter six, verse eight is the story of Noah. Now, at that point in time, Genesis chapter six is a turning point for the human race. The Bible, if we turn there, just to give you context, because this word is really important, so I'll give you context. Genesis chapter six, and I'm, I'm going to read from one, and it will give context as to what God is saying in the book of Ephesus. And I'm going to stop at verse eight. The Bible says, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face. I'm reading from Genesis chapter six, verse one. When men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. And they took the wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And so God limits the life and the lifespan of mankind in that things are going so wrong, I have to limit them. And the Bible says in verse four, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Verse seven. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. And then the word shows up. Verse eight says the following. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So pause for a moment just to give you context. The kingdom of darkness realizing at that point in time that the Messiah was going to be born that the Messiah who was going to save the human race was going to be a man. He was going to be human. They set up a plan to tamper with the genealogy of mankind in that they were 
out to make sure that no man could come into the earth without him having something of them in it. And that's when they their plan was very simple. Go to all the women, make sure that they get pregnant and then raise a complete race of semi-human beings who had all sorts of things. And when you read them in, in mythology stories and the aim was we will make it impossible for the Messiah to come into the world so that God's plans are thwarted. The Bible records that in the midst of probably one of the most diabolical plans of the kingdom of darkness, the Bible says Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. And grace, ladies and gentlemen, is the, the root word in Hebrew, and we'll look at it, and that will give us an understanding of grace. Now, the root word of grace is, so where the, the Bible says grace, it's translated exactly the same as it is in the New Testament, and it says graciousness. That is, and I'll read the definition for you, subjectively kindness, favor, or objectively beauty. But ladies and gentlemen, the word comes from a word. And what it means is this, and I'll read, I'll explain it. It means to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior. Now, let me explain that. So if you think of an absolute ruler or somebody of royal nature, not necessarily in these times, one that has life and death powers over his subjects, he more than likely would always appear on a throne. And the Bible says grace meant he would stoop. That means come down from his position to involve himself in the circumstances of one of his subjects, okay? Um, so, involve himself in one of his subjects. And the Bible says, and this is what the meaning of the word says, where you see the word grace, it means where God reaches down from where he is and intervenes on behalf of someone who has no ability to intervene for themselves. And so what I want you to realize, and, and we've got a very nice question and I'll answer it, which, which, is, which is great. Um, and so what when you hear the word grace, it is where somebody of absolute power intervenes Veins in the life or circumstances, and they have to stoop. That means they literally have to come off their throne and physically get involved in the circumstances or the lives of one of their subjects. It is literally like a king going to visit one of his lowest subjects and just showing up. And once he does so, his intervention at that point in time changes everything on behalf of that particular subject and that ladies and gentlemen is grace grace is never earned it comes directly from god speaking with about god now it comes directly from god 
at his determination. And the word used is graciousness. Now, I've got a question, and it said that were both testaments not written in different languages, Hebrew and Greek? They were, and that's the beautiful thing about the Bible. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. But the words used, word in Hebrew for grace, um, the word in Hebrew for grace, if I can pronounce it, is Cain, C-H-E-N. The word for grace in Greek is charis. And the definitions of both are exactly the same. So direct translation. So the picture of grace from the beginning of the Bible through the picture of grace through the end of the Bible is exactly the same. And the beautiful thing about it is God clearly summarizes. He makes sure that we understand what grace is. It is where God at his expense steps into our world and intervenes on our behalf at his expense and so let me give you so that is what it means so it means to stoop it means to bend down so that means god reaches from where he is to intervene in a situation that would without him go wrong and the bible says genesis chapter 6 verse 8 and i'll tell you why i'm going i'm i'm, I'm going there the reason i'm saying it is when you're reading the bible the first time a word appears in the Bible, it's one of the laws of hermeneutics. It is this, when the word appears for the first time, that word sets the tone throughout the Bible where you see it. So when you want to understand what God says or means about something, go to the first place you see that circumstance show up or a word or a phrase used, and you'll see God's intention that can be th followed throughout the Bible. And it's, it's one of the things you, you realize, and this is the beautiful thing about studying the Bible. This is not Badger's opinion. Please put it to the test. And have a look where you see a word or circumstance appear for the first time, it sets the tone throughout the Bible for that particular thing. And so we see God intervening into a helpless, into man's situation when we were helpless. And at his expense, he changes everything. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to understand, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you to another scripture so you understand. Let's go to two more so we're clear. And I hope you enjoy this little journeys that we take through the Bible. This is why when you read the Bible, you realize it's such a wonderful thing to do because it expands your faith, confidence and assurance in God. So let's look at it. So that's the first time we see, we see God intervene in Noah's life and we know that it changes history. And so let me say this. I, I want to say it now, but I can't. Please, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I am a little bit excited. I want to say something and I will come back and say it. If I don't say it, pop it into the chat and remind me. Turn with me. So we see God intervene in Noah's life. The Bible says, and Noah found grace in the sight of God, he, in the eyes of God. That means he, Noah knew nothing. 
about what God was thinking or intending. But the Lord said, you. And it changes history. I'm coming to that. So turn also, ladies and gentlemen. So as we go forward in the Bible, let's see this word show up again. And I want to show you the other translation of the word, which is favor. Turn in with me in the Bible to Genesis chapter 18, verse 3. Genesis chapter 18, and we're going to read from verse 3. I'll read from 1 for context, so you understand, and so you understand what Paul was saying. And the Bible says the following, and the Lord appeared, and this is now stepping into Abraham's story, and the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, that is Abraham. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself to the ground and said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant. And what I want you to understand, so that's what, and that's what Abraham said, said, if I found favor in your sight. Now, the interesting thing about the Bible is when the Bible is being translated into English, Hebrew and Greek are very similar. One word can have four or five meanings, and so a direct translation is really easy. English is not like that. It's limited. So at different times you may have exactly the same meaning and to use to use a, a, a word the meaning of words is an etymology you may have exactly the same etymology but you'll find different words used in the bible so where we have noah found grace in the eyes of the lord in in genesis 6 in genesis 18 the same word is translated favor Favor means exactly the same thing. And so the root word for favor is, is chen, kane, and it says graciousness, that is subjectively kindness, favor, or objectively beauty. Same word. But in English, so that it is clear, it was translated, they chose the element of favor rather the element of intervention, which is grace. And that was why you have the same concept, the same Hebrew word translated as grace in one place and favor in the other. Also understand favor. Favor is something that somebody with abilities beyond you, thoughts, plans, and abilities beyond your wildest dreams says for nothing that you do, I just choose you. So Abraham said, my Lord, if I have found favor or grace in your sight, do not pass away. I pray thee from thy servant. And then he says, you know, sit down, have a meal. And it changes his life. Now, what I also want you to notice is this. Abraham did nothing to attract the visit of the Lord. The Lord just decided, 
I'm going to Abraham's house. That's what grace is. And what happens was all at God's expense. So ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to understand, so as we're building a picture of grace, so now we've seen grace intervene when man was helpless. Now we've seen grace that causes a man to be chosen through nothing that he does. He's not doing anything. God just says, I'm going to Abraham's house. And he knows why. And he just shows up and Abraham says, if I have found favor, that means you've picked me out of everybody else. And ladies and gentlemen, so we're getting a picture. Now, let's go to the definitive verse and I'll say what I wanted to say earlier. I, I'm sorry, I'm having a lot of fun. I, 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 I <laughs> This is what I enjoy doing. Um, come with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 1, verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Bible speaks. John's introduction to Jesus Christ is closing. And this is what he says. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, speaking about Jesus Christ. And then he makes this statement, full of grace and truth. When God wanted us to understand grace, he embodied it in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's look at the fact. We did nothing to motivate God to put the plan of salvation into action because the plan of salvation predated the creation of the human race. The Bible says it was set up at the beginning of time. So it, we did nothing to warrant it. We didn't do, there was nothing. We came empty-handed as we're going to see in, in a few moments. But also for God then to intervene, to stoop from where he was, to come and intervene in our circumstances at his expense, the Bible said Jesus Christ embodies what grace is all about. Notice. When you read Philippians 2, reading from verse 5, the level of what we call stooping or where the expense God went to, to intervene in our circumstances, you realize that when God gives you grace, he intervenes in your world and everything changes the bible says that jesus christ who thought it not robbery to be equal with god he laid aside all his divinity all his positions all his ability and he chose not only to be take on the form of a servant he chose to suffer the death of a criminal and the badger's paraphrase and the Bible says, for which reason God highly exalted him. Grace is when somebody of high standing intervenes in the life of someone 
of a much lower standing, not because that person did anything, but because the person who is giving the grace decided to do so. Ladies and gentlemen, in the very same way that grace changed the life of Noah and grace changed the history of mankind, the Lord wants to do the same for you and I. The Bible says, so how does Paul start his, his letter? He says, grace and peace be to you. That means may God intervene on your behalf, bringing his will, his purpose, his plans to come to pass so that you as a person, basically, he says, I'll change history around you. That's what grace is. And ladies and gentlemen, as you look through the Bible, all of a sudden, where you now see ending a meeting, a service, a prayer meeting by saying, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now forevermore. All of a sudden it carries weight because the intervention of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in our lives changes everything. And when you, the reason I'm, I did it like this is this, ladies and gentlemen, is how to study the Bible. Spend a little time, do a little bit of searching, because all of a sudden what you now read in one line carries so much more weight because you realize the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ means God will intervene in your circumstances into a place that Jesus has made possible. And all the power and ability of God was backing up that intervention. And so ladies and gentlemen, notice this is how Paul starts his letter for a very simple reason. The church at Ephesus was facing a society so steeped in evil that grace was an essential as we are today. And so ladies and gentlemen, this is the beginning of Paul's letter. And I hope that answers your question. I hope that sets your, I hope that sets your taste buds going for what's gonna happen over the next few weeks. And so let's go back to the book of Ephesus, Ephesians one, and let's pick up the narrative. And so Ephesians 1, let me go back into the Bible. Fantastic. Ephesians 1, and so Paul says, grace to you, or grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, just so that we have balance. Grace is God's intervention and the fulfillment of his will, God's stooping from his position to intervening in your position. Peace ladies and gentlemen the word peace in greek and hebrew is in hebrew is the word shalom and it means nothing missing nothing broken 
The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, reading from verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, For we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It means, ladies and gentlemen, nothing that you are facing has not been covered by what God has provided. No circumstance, no situation. The Bible says peace in that whatever you require, whatever is needed, God through Jesus Christ has made available to you and that then governs your life. And Paul said, may these two things, this is how he starts his letter. So though where we just read, you know, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. For these converts, that was the most encouraging thing they could hear. That God's intervention is governing their circumstances and there was nothing that they would require. There was nothing that they would need was going to be lacking. That God was with them and he was on their side. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that speaks to someone. Um, I really do. And that's how Paul starts his letter. And it's a pivotal letter. So let's go on, ladies and gentlemen. Verse three. The Bible says the following. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going, he, Paul breaks this down over the next few sections. The Holy Spirit breaks this down. But let me pause there for a moment. And this is what I want you to understand. Paul sets a clear marker for this particular church. And he sets one for us in that in Christ Jesus, whose life, death, ministry, resurrection, ascension, and everything else that goes with it was successful. The Bible says you and I in him are blessed with all spiritual blessings. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to pause for a moment because many times when we approach these circumstances, our assumption is God, please do it because I don't have it. The converse is true. God says, I've given it to you already. It's past tense. And please notice, the Bible says God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Let me clarify. The spirit realm governs the physical realm. That means in the realm that matters, ladies and gentlemen, you are sitting in Christ and there is nothing that you need that has not been given to you already. The Bible says that God has blessed us with all 
spiritual blessings. Now, when we say spiritual blessings, the assumption is, well, well, they're spiritual, but they're not physical. No, you can translate that which is in the spiritual into the physical through your faith. But I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that please hear me. And I, and I, and I want to break this down a little bit. You are already blessed. It's not, you are not confronting your circumstances with empty hands. And I'm speaking to myself, and I say this from the bottom of my heart. You are already blessed. The Bible says in heavenly places, that's the first thing. And the Bible also says in Christ. Now, pause for a moment. Let's understand. The first thing is let's start with blessed us with all spiritual blessings. That means anything that has been conferred on Jesus Christ as his has also been given to you and I because we are now in Christ. The Bible says we are joint heirs with Christ. So let, let's pause. Come with me, ladies and gentlemen, so that we understand where we're going. And I'm not going to go too fast tonight. Come with me, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 9. Now, many times, this is one of the scriptures that we, we, we used to pray, but let me read it from verse 9, and I'm going to stop at verse 12. Actually, I will keep reading. I'll stop at verse uh, 13. Yes, I, I might go to 14. So I'm going to start from 9. The Bible says, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Prepared means it's already done. Do we agree? Okay. Then the Bible says, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. That means what God has made a reality in the spirit, he will reveal to you through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, because the Holy Spirit has complete access to everything that's in God. Let me keep reading verse 11. The Bible says, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. The Bible says in verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Notice it is past tense. That means God has already given to you everything that he has prepared for you because you love him. He's already given it to you. And the key element is this. 
the Holy Spirit is there to help you understand what is already a reality, that this is already yours. God has already done this. God is already faithful in this area. The power of God is available. The resources of God are available. The glory of God in this area is available. And he's there to reveal it to you. And he won't show you everything because it will drive you crazy. But he shows you what you need to know to change your life day by day. Now, what I want you to understand is, notice, it is already given to you now listen carefully listen i'll read on to verse 14 and i'm going to come back the bible says from so verse 13 says which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacher but which the holy ghost teacher comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And ladies and gentlemen, what that means is this. When God wants to reveal what he has done in the Spirit to you, he will not reveal it to your head. He will reveal it to your heart because that's where your spirit man lives. That's where you are. And so, and what you begin to realize is this, when the Holy Ghost wants to tell you that you know what God has already done this, it will not make sense to your head, but it will make sense to your heart. And that's why the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, for we walk by faith and not by sight the circumstances may not look like this is something that god is going to fix the circumstances may not look like that this is something that god's going to make happen but because it is a reality in the spiritual if you can believe accept that God has done it and it has been given to you in Christ Jesus, the Bible says your faith will move it from the invisible into the visible. The Bible says you are seated in heavenly places and you have been blessed with all spiritual blessings so pause for a moment in christ jesus so ladies and gentlemen please hear me well you are already blessed now the bible says listen to me very carefully the bible says you will not be able to understand it with your head but it is something that you will walk in faith into and let me show you that in action <clears throat> yes please turn in your bibles to <laughs> second kings no let me change my mind i, ch I let the holy spirit has asked me to change 
Turn with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, to a New Testament example, to John chapter 6. I'm going to read from John chapter 6, and I'm going to read to verse 13. And what I want you to understand is this. When God says it's done, or when God reveals to you this is your time, or when God reveals to you this is a promise or an assurance from him, he's presenting something that is in the invisible spiritual that is already a reality. When you believe it and speak and act on it, it moves from the spiritual into the physical. So pause for a moment. Let's, let's look at a, a live example, and it will break it down much easier. The Bible says, and John chapter 6, verse 1, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, and the Passover, a feet of the Jews, was night. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Notice, Jesus presents a spiritual reality to Philip. Philip responds with a physical assessment of the situation. Verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? So pause. Sometimes when the Holy Ghost wants you to tap into what is of, he will cause you to walk. Now, please, I use this word with all respect, foolishness. The reason I say foolishness, a lad's lunch, the Holy Spirit moves Andrew and says, take this kid to Jesus. It does not make sense. It does not fit the physical assessment of the situation. But the Holy Spirit is working with the spiritual assessment of the situation. Remember what I said. Now notice, Jesus then says the following. He does not address the physical. He just says, make the men sit down. Do what you can do. I will do what I can do. He said, organize them. Cause them to sit down in groups of 50. And the Bible says, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Now, Jesus is now about to tap into a spiritual reality. The Bible says, and Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples 
to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes, as much as they would, when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves who remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Pause for a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to please think about this. That is what it means when the Bible says there's a spiritual reality and there's a physical reality. Jesus taps into the spiritual reality. How? He gives thanks, appreciation, and acknowledgement of the fact that, God, you've done this. He blesses, transfers the ability of the Father into what he was holding, and he hands it to his disciples. And then the spiritual reality, which is the God of abundance, shows up in the physical reality, which is we don't have enough for what is in front of us. And the spiritual reality controlled the physical reality and the physical reality bows. Ladies and gentlemen, when the Bible says you are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, your circumstances have nothing to do with that fact. It is all to do with the victory of what Jesus came to do and has done. So ladies and gentlemen, pause for a moment. Paul then begins to present the fact to the Ephesians church that the spiritual reality over you as a people is that there is nothing that you lack that has not already been given to you in Christ Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand that's true of you and I. And so we realize when you are confronted with a challenge or a situation, who do you go to? You go to the Holy Ghost who is there to reveal to you this is what is a reality in the invisible. Come with me, please, to John chapter 14. John 14, and we're, go we're, going, to, we're going to read verse 26, which is famous, but and then we're going to John chapter 16, and we're going to read verse 13. The Bible says in John 14, verse 26, the Bible says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring to your remembrance whatsoever I said unto you. Notice, in any situation, you have a primary teacher and his name is the Holy Spirit. That's critical for you and I to understand. That in the most difficult of circumstances, find a way to say, Holy Ghost, tell me what to do. Because he's going to reach into the spiritual reality and reveal it to you and that will change the way you approach 
what is in front of you. And Paul wanted the church at Ephesus to understand this because what was in front of them was terrifying. So that's John chapter 14, verse 26. Come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, to John chapter 16. And we're going to read verse 13. Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the following. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Notice the next phrase. And he will show you, make clear and evident to you the things to come. But then Jesus keeps speaking. Verse 14, he shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it or make it real unto you. Verse 15, all things that the father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to understand, Jesus said, everything God has, has been given to me. And that means you have in me access to everything that God has on your behalf or has made available. That's why the Bible says you are blessed with all spiritual blessings where in heavenly places in christ jesus the only challenge for many of us is those blessings are invisible and the holy spirit is there to make the invisible blessings a reality to you and i and so ladies and gentlemen this is where we have to we're going to have to bring it to a close tonight we have not necessarily scratched the surface. But what I want to say to somebody, please hear me well. Whatsoever you are confronting, you are already, the Bible says, blessed. Blessed means God has transferred from himself to you and I, a part of himself, so that you can function in that circumstance like him. We see that in Genesis 1, chapter 28. The Bible says, and God blessed them before he made a demand on them. That means before God allowed you to need a house, he blessed you in the spirit with a house before god allowed you to need a healing he made available healing in the spirit in jesus christ before god put you in a situation where you need your marriage to be blessed with a child or you need a job or you need favor or you need grace he's already made it available to you in Christ Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me well. You go into this week with the upper hand because you are blessed. The blessing of the Lord 
the Bible says, let me, <laughs> oh Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, this is somebody's, this is somebody's story. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The Bible says the following, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it the blessing does the work you just have to go along for the ride you are blessed when someone says and i'm i, I we, we've run out of time and i'm gonna have to end here but the Bible says you are blessed. That means whatever you confront in this season is going to be got done by the power and the ability of the God you serve. All you have to do, just do your part. The blessing will make the difference. The blessing will cause your body to function the way it's meant to function. The blessing will cause you to find favor. The blessing will cause you to be chosen. The blessing will cause your CV to be the one they choose. Your blessing will cause you to find a home. Your blessing will cause the provision to find you. Why am I saying that? The Bible says the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And the Bible says, he addeth no sorrow. So the person who blesses you will make sure that there is no sorrow added to your story. Ladies and gentlemen, our journey into Ephesians has begun. I hope you're having fun so far. And ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be a fun journey. Um, for those of you that are believing God for a miracle, I join my faith with yours tonight. I am so excited for this study. May this, I'm just so excited and I pray sincerely for those of us that are believing God for a miracle. I pray that the almighty God makes it a reality for you because it's all, already a reality in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that tonight God makes the blessings of the Lord. Let's end like this. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now for always. And there we say amen. Ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful week. We'll continue from there. And so if you would like to read ahead, if you would like to read the book of Ephesians, if you would like to read it in a version that is comfortable for you, please do so. It's going to be a fun six weeks. May God bless you. Have a wonderful night, ladies and gentlemen. God bless you.